Hello, my name is Nicholas Corey, and you are listening to The Novelcast. Cybersaurus, The Awakening. Chapter 38 Regina sat under the overpass in the darkness of early morning, wedged as far back into the concrete corner as she could get. The idea had come to her as she was making her way back to the sewer from the electronics store the night before, and she wondered if the concrete and metal of the roadway and support columns was enough to block her Omninet signal. For once, luck was on her side. She had called Eddie and gave him directions on where to find her, although that was after she spent a good 45 minutes learning how to use the cell phone correctly. It was such an antique device to her, and the battery it was using had very little charge left. After she made her call, she turned it off, separated its battery, and placed both items into her bag, in case she needed them for later. Eddie was on his way, and she decided to huddle in the overpass and wait for him to arrive. She had fallen asleep, though it was a light sleep and she woke with pain in her neck and back. Sleeping under an overpass wasn't the most comfortable way to find rest, but she needed it, and so she allowed herself one brief window to recover her strength before she met up with Eddie, and they worked out what to do next. She knew his leg was injured, but he was already out and about, saying that the pain wasn't a problem and that he could move just fine, if a little slowly. She concluded that the painkillers he was taking must be working overtime, or he must have taken over the recommended dosage, but either way she was glad he was able to move around after only about a day of rest. She needed to get into ONHQ and she didn't expect him to follow her in, but he could definitely help her figure out how she would do it, and where she would need to go. She heard the light traffic driving by above her, people of King's Plaza driving to work in the early hours of the morning. Her clock read 3.56am, and she knew the sun would be rising soon. She slid down the embankment to stand on even ground once again. Stretching her legs and arms, her eyes always on the connectivity icon of her display. It remained red. Good, she thought. She was free to move around underneath the overpass without connecting to the Omninet. She didn't know why she hadn't thought of this before. The fresh morning air was a welcome break from the stagnant, festering atmosphere of the sewers below. She paced around under the overpass, keeping her body in motion. She didn't want to get too relaxed. Staying alert and awake was a necessity, and she was afraid that if she sat down again like she had, she would drift off to sleep once more. She thought about the stretches and poses she did at her gym back in West Prince District. She would often visit the gym in the early morning, a few hours before she started work at Dr. Wolf's facility. She tried to remember her morning routine. Breathing techniques, then sustained yoga poses, then a brisk jog on the treadmill, followed by cool-down yoga, and ending with meditation. She didn't feel like running in circles under the overpass, but otherwise she could still do most of that routine. And so she closed her eyes and stood with her back straight, hands at her sides, and began to breathe slowly and deeply. Back when she was learning these exercises, her instructor had told her that she needed to focus on her breath and to not let her mind wander to her stresses. Things like her bills, her chores, her work, and her relationships were all stresses that the mind could leave behind. 
After almost three years of practice, she was getting better at blocking out the nagging feelings of her life, even if only for a short time. But today was far different. She was sore. She could smell herself in the stink of the sewer, on her clothes and in her hair. She knew that one of her friends was injured, one was captured, and her husband was trapped, both mentally and physically. She couldn't go home. She couldn't stay in the city for much longer. She couldn't contact anybody, access her money, or even read the news. In a world made small by almost constant interconnectivity, she was wholly isolated. These feelings were hard to push aside, and focusing on her breathing wasn't as effective a method as it once was. Suddenly she heard scraping behind her, the sound of someone coming down the embankment towards her position. Her eyes popped open, and she spun around, taking a tense step backwards as she saw the approaching person. Regina? Eddie said. Are you okay? She breathed easily, relaxing noticeably. Oh, Eddie, she said. Yes, I'm... Well, I'm all right. All things considered, Eddie said. She nodded. He walked forward and gave her a hug a feeling she readily accepted and returned. It was good to have him back, even if it was only for a short while. They got Stanley, she said. I know. And Naomi. Eddie nodded. Are you hungry? They parted and Regina shrugged. Not really, she said. Well, kind of, but it's it's not really a priority right now. Okay. I've had a lot of time to think about things, she said. I just... I just want to know what to do. Eddie nodded. They're both in ONHQ? I'm pretty sure. And you've still got that Enviro drive, she nodded. You really think that's what they've been after? Yeah, now more than ever, he said, moving to sit down at the base of the concrete embankment. I spoke with my cousin on Luna earlier. Really? she said. Yeah, he said that the union workers are revolting. They think that one nation arranged to have their representatives killed. What? Eddie shrugged. That's what Morgan said. And you remember the bodies that you found? Regina's eyes widened. Oh my god. It makes sense, Eddie said, and then leaned back, stretching his injured leg out and exhaling slowly. Regina watched him, and then frowned. Are you sure you're okay? He shrugged. It's not bad as long as I stay drugged up. (laughs) Those must be pretty strong painkillers, she observed. Not exactly. Regina crossed her arms, sensing that something was amiss. What do you mean? Eddie looked up at her, his face a mix of apologetic guilt and uncertainty. He reached into his pocket and produced three empty yellow plastic tabs. Eddie, Regina said, you've been taking psychos? He brought his arm back and looked down at the tabs. I had to. There's no way I could get out of the apartment without them. Regina frowned. I wish that wouldn't have happened, she said, and then dropped her arms to her side, looking out at the nearby auto body shops and parts dealerships of King's Plaza. I wish none of this had happened. 
Eddie just watched her as he sat in silence. I just, I keep hurting the ones who are close to me, she said. I selfishly force Stanley into a life that's dangerous and frightening. You and Naomi try to help me and you both get hurt. She looked down to the pavement at her feet. I've only been thinking about myself, Eddie. I'm sorry. Eddie didn't know what to say, and so he let the silence reign briefly. He saw Regina standing there, looking defeated in the dark of night, dimly lit by the streetlights that stood some sixty yards away. Her hair was pulled back, the sleeves of her sweatshirt were rolled up, and her boots looked muddy and worn. She had been through hell, and Eddie didn't like hearing her beat herself up like that. But he didn't know exactly what to say, and so he started to think about alternatives, some sort of positive notion that could cut through this dark and depressing cloud that had slowly been settling over Regina. Well, we're not completely out of options, Eddie said. There's always one of the orbital stations. Regina scoffed. They'd ID me as soon as I stepped off the shuttle, and I'd fail that background check. There's no way I could get onto the station. Even if I could, I can't speak Chinese. Well, some of the Tears of Luna are still okay, Eddie said. And how would we go about getting Stanley up there? Eddie shrugged. I don't know. Shuttle? We'd get stopped and boarded before we made it halfway. Well, let's look at our options now, Eddie said. Let's stop looking so far into the future and focus on what we need to do right now. Get Stanley and Naomi back. And, Regina said, after a thought, return the Enviro Drive. Eddie nodded. That's probably a good idea. Regina smirked a bit, a weak smile finding its way to the corners of her mouth. She turned and looked at Eddie. So, Eddie said, scratching his thigh and putting the psychotabs back into his pocket. How do we do that? I have to get in, she said. Eddie nodded. And security will make it difficult, especially since you're a marked fugitive. But once I'm in, I'll need to find a way around their internal security. Open doors, use cameras, that sort of thing. I'll need to find where they're keeping them. Eddie's head continued to bob up and down. Not easy, but not impossible. I think it'll be easier getting to them than getting out. There's the underground garage where Naomi was caught, Regina said. But I'd alert them as soon as I access the elevator. What about going in with one of the tours? Eddie asked. They usually do two tours a day. You could get a ticket, walk right in, and then sneak away when you see a chance. Regina shook her head. Any ticket scan is going to ID me immediately. It'd be like wearing a large flashing sign. Eddie frowned. Is there a way to get in from one of the neighboring buildings, he suggested. Like, find your way up an office building and then, like, jump onto ON campus? Regina shook her head. This isn't some action movie, Eddie, she said. Plus, the ON campus is large and walled off. It'd be too long of a jump, even if I could get into another office without being recognized. Eddie shrugged. I don't know, he said. Any way you do it, you're going to get caught. She nodded, cupping her chin in her hand and thinking. He was right. 
No matter which way she tried, it always seemed like the risk of getting caught was far too great. And then she'd be in the same place as Naomi and Stanley. Her eyes widened with recognition, and she looked up, making eye contact with Eddie. That's it, she said. I have to get caught? Eddie blinked. Are you serious? It's the only way, she said. I get caught by local police, and when they file their report, Owen will hear about it and pick me up. The feds wouldn't just let me sit in jail. Not if they're trying so hard to get at me that they're willing to fire guns in the city. And what will you do when the feds get to you? Regina thought. I'll have to find a way to separate from them, she said. To get away from them and find my way to Naomi and Stanley. How? She shrugged. I don't know, she said. I don't even know what the interior of the place looks like. I've only ever been to National Square out front. We'll need some sort of distraction, Eddie said. Or you'll need to fool everybody into thinking you're not who they think you are. Some way to get yourself out of the heavy surveillance that you'll be under. She nodded. Do you have any drugs that would temporarily stop my heart? She asked. Eddie recoiled, as if he'd been struck. What? Are you serious? She shrugged. Just thinking. What exactly do your drugs do? They make it easier to ignore pain and sharpen my senses. They keep me alert. Oh, Regina said, thinking some more. Can you make something that would make me appear dead? Eddie's brow furrowed in the dark. I have no idea how to do anything like that. The only things I ever learned how to make from scratch were protection devices. Like what? Retracting knife, gas canister, that sort of stuff. Why the hell would you know how to make a gas canister? He shrugged. You'd be surprised how many times drug dealers try to beat the shit out of you in order to take more than their cut. And you just happen to have noxious gas floating around. Eddie laughed. No, but it's an easy process to mix some stuff up that will give everyone who breathes it intense headaches for about ten minutes. That could be useful, Regina said. Eddie shrugged. Well, we'd need an exhaust system, like from a truck or something. Oh, okay, Regina said. What else? Eddie stared at her for a moment, and then shrugged. Well, a canister for one, and then some sort of pressure-sensitive release. Although, no, no, no. What else do you know how to make? Oh, Eddie said, and then he fell silent, his eyes staring off into the distance as he considered the question. Finally, something came to him. I can make an EMP. A what? she said. Electromagnetic pulse, he responded. Disables all electronic devices in a given area. It's a process, but with the right stuff, I can do it. That would be handy, Regina said. Eddie nodded, and I could even install one on you. She blinked. What? Well, it's not what it sounds like, he reassured her. All it would be is a small device that sticks out of your spark. It would look like some sort of speaker system, really. You'd blow it, knocking out any electronic devices for a short period of time. How far would it reach? Eddie shrugged. 20, 25 feet tops? 
It all depends on the power source I can get. How about a car plug? She asked. Yeah, yeah, that'd do about 20 feet. Would it hurt me? He looked up at her and nodded. Yeah, but not so much if we disable your Omninet chip. Wait, she said. You can do that? Sort of. I can remove it. The wiring will still be there, but the chip and its programming itself will be gone. The EMP will blow. You'd feel a stinging in your head, but you'd still be standing. Anyone else would probably get dizzy and see crazy spots for a while, but it'd be enough time to get you out of wherever you are. Regina reached up and brushed her finger against her Omninet chip, the small metal piece embedded into her skin, just behind her left temple. It had been there almost her entire life, since her parents had it installed when she was five. She had never known a day in her life that wasn't connected to the Omninet. Although now it was much more of a hindrance than before, actively working against her to reveal her to law enforcement. The convenience of constant connectivity, and she had given up her physical security for it. She took a deep breath. This was going to be a big change. She would effectively be removing herself from every cybernetic aspect of her life, at least for the time being. There was no telling if she'd ever get back on the Omninet. Yet, at this point, she wasn't even sure if she wanted to. Okay, she said. What do we need? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find the previous season of The Novelcast at nicholascorey.com slash novelcast. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-K-O-R-Y dot com slash novelcast. The Novelcast is a podcast that is made possible by the support of the fine backers over at patreon.com slash novelcast. If you like what you hear and you want to help support this podcast as well, feel free to head to patreon.com slash novelcast and donate your support. Any amount is incredibly helpful and deeply appreciated. Also, if you like audiobooks, head over to audiobooks.com slash novelcast. Audiobooks.com has millions of different titles available, and by heading to audiobooks.com slash novelcast, you'll not only sign up for their free 30-day trial, but you'll also be showing your support for this podcast as well. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you next time.